0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your hosts, the rider, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another another off-season episode here of Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle, and as we keep saying, Sean. It might be the NBL offseason, but there's an incredible amount of things for us to talk about. It's only been a couple of weeks since we have come together here, but the news has really racked up. And there's there's hot news that's, that's hot off the wire right now as we record this. It's just been announced this morning as we're recording. The NBL's all-time greatest coach is now coming back to the league. And he's coming back to a club that we thought might not even be existing in the short term. But all of a sudden, they've now got an incredible coach at, at the helm. There's been all sorts of player movements with retirements and players opting out of their contracts with clubs who we thought were locked in. We don't know what the future holds for Andrew Bogut. We don't know what the future holds for a lot of people. And the official free agency market opens up in just over a week's time as well. So things are really ramping up, Sean. And we're still probably potentially six months away from the season starting. So let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you've all tuned in to listen to and get his thoughts from, the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. How do I find you once more?
1: Yeah, it's getting busier and busier. It seems mm. like uh, things are getting uh, back somewhat back to normal here in WA. Obviously, the restrictions even eased. You'll know, be able to have uh, parents at at the uh, youth basketball games, and uh, pretty soon, thirty thousand people at Optus Stadium. So uh, mm. we're we're getting closer to normality, which is great to see.
0: Yeah. And, and within, within three weeks, we would have been able to have a, have a full RAC arena for you know, NBL games as well. So we're ready to go for the NBL season out in the West. I don't know what's happening in Victoria, but certainly in Perth, we're, we're ready to go for whenever the NBL says, says tip off.
1: Well, could they have a NBL hub over here in WA? I don't know. It's, uh, they're no, don't. talking about that with the AFL. I think by the time NBL season gets gets around, they will. Uh, you know, I think Victoria will have things under control, hopefully, and uh, we can have somewhat of a, a normal season, if you can call it like that.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Now, also on this show, one thing I forgot to mention in the introduction, I have caught up with Alex Pledger, four-time championship winner at the New Zealand Breakers, most recently played at Melbourne United. He's one man that's now free on the free agency market, so he's waiting to see where he will find a home for this upcoming season. For mine, he's still got plenty left to offer, so I'd be amazed if we don't see him playing in the NBL again this upcoming season. What springs to mind when you you think of, of the big chief?
1: Oh, uh, I think he was just such a great player in that he knew his role and, uh, you know, he was one of the better offensive rebounders we had in, in our league and so big and strong that when he got himself down in the right position, which he usually was, it was pretty tough to move him and uh, he was pretty handy and probably one of those underrated players in the success of that New Zealand Breakers team. He, uh, you know, he came, came it through that system. And I thought, uh, you know, really developed under the breakers system and made himself into uh, a really good NBL player.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, still got plenty left in the tank as well. So we'll speak to him later on this show. So hopefully everyone's looking forward to tuning in into that to find out, to hear about him reflecting on his career and also to to hear him talk about how much he feels he's got left and and what his future holds. Now, before we get to some NBL news, Sean, Greenwich Basketball. Pretty much back to business as usual now, now that our restrictions here in Western Australia are pretty much lifted, things must be getting pretty busy on on your end.
1: Yeah, it's good to uh, good to get back out on the basketball court, and we've got most of our schools back and camps running there uh, in July school holidays, so those are uh, looking like they're going to be completely full as well so it's, it's just great to get kids back and just a smile on their face to see them running around you know sometimes don't know how much you you love for it until it's kind of taken away for a few months mm-hmm. and uh we're seeing a lot of uh smiles and and uh basketballs bouncing which is which is fun
0: absolutely is that something you have noticed a, a lot how have your the kids that you've coached how have they come back to basketball are they just so excited after you know three or four months of having it taken away from them. Are they just, just chomping at the bit to get back back out there?
1: They are. You know, as soon as they come through the school gates or through the basketball stadium doors, they're, they're running onto the court. And you kind of just kind of feel like finally the, the shackles have been taken off and they're allowed to uh, to play sport and be a kid uh, as, as you should at that age. So it's been, been, been fun to see and, and interesting as well just to see how much Kids are enjoying it, and uh, hopefully hopefully it can stay like this.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Now, let's move on to the NBL news because we've got a lot to run through, John. Um, Let's start with the hottest and most recent news. Brian Gorgian, six-time championship winning coach in the NBL, six-time coach of the year. He's coached 735 games in the league. He spent the last decade over in China, where he's continued to build his career legacy. But he's now back to the league and back at the Hawks. It's a, it's a, an amazing turn of events. How surprised were you when you heard the news confirmed?
1: Well, the, the interesting thing is, is Brian Gorgon's been rumored to a lot of jobs over the mm. years. Um, you know, I've heard from people, oh, it's a sure thing. Uh, and then and they go and hire someone else. So yeah. when I heard that initial. I was a bit skeptical, probably also because you know Illawarra Hawks obviously getting new ownership. It, it, you know, Gorgon, he's coming back to win a championship. He's not coming back just mm-hmm. to, to make up the numbers and what he's been able to achieve. It's a it's a great get for the Illawarra Hawks. I think that you know probably you know, Gorgian, uh, you know his record speaks for himself. So I think it. it it will make them instantly a contender and, and now the challenge for him is going to be can he get the uh, the horses and, and the players to be able to uh, achieve what we know that he, he's accustomed to. But uh, you know, credit to the Laura Hawk. They've uh, set themselves up I think nicely with, with Gorch and he's uh, you know, I think quite possibly the greatest coach we, we've seen in the NBL and uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting him, him and his championships going up against Trevor Gleason and his championships mm-hmm. and, and some of the great coaches we, we have in the NBL. Uh, um, it's great to see him back in the league.
0: That was one of my questions I wanted to put to you. How much of a factor do you think it is that Trevor Gleason's now catching him? He's on five championships. Ryan's on six. Do you reckon that plays any factor? Did he wanna make sure that Trev didn't get, get any closer? <laughs>
1: Uh, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought that up, <laughs> but possibly, uh, you know, I think Trevor, five, five championships is, uh, you know, coming in. You got, you got to put him in that equation now as, uh, as, as greatest, uh, coach we've seen in the NBL with the success he's had. So it'll be, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching those two go at it. Two great coaches I've, uh, you know, I had the fortunate chance to play under Gorgin uh, at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, and nothing mm-hmm. but a lot of respect for him and the way he goes about it. And uh, you know, I r- really enjoyed playing playing for him, and, and off with Trevor Gleason as well. So I know them quite well, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be great for the league to kind of have some of those battles within the coach coaching realm as well.
0: Yeah, I wanted to drill down on your history with with Brian Gorgin a little bit. Obviously. He picked you to go to the Olympics, and and going to Beijing is one of your undoubted career and life life highlights, as it as it should be. So you owe him for that for that forever. So I'm sure that naturally means you have some fond memories of him. But you had some great battles against the teams that he coached as well, especially probably that 2007, 2008 Sydney Kings team that you met in the semi finals, and you know, obviously a year later you played against his South Dragons teams as well. Um, yeah, two things. What well, what was he like to play under when you were playing for the Boomers at the Olympics, and what what made him such a, an incredible coach to to
1: play against look i I always felt like his teams weren't gonna beat themselves you know if Mm. you were gonna beat them you had to play extremely well you know they knew the scouting system and they were so well drilled in their system as well they kind of um they knew all the wrinkles and you just couldn't if you kind of played something wrong they were gonna find out and then i think the other thing is he just his guys just always played extremely hard you knew it was going to be a battle every time every time you played them you know i think i think when you're in the national team environment probably you coach a little bit different than you do on your day-to-day nbl but I, the thing that i respected about gorgian was you know just so personable and you know mm-hmm. coming grabbing you after a training saying hey this is what i saw you did well this is you know even i know there was times where at the olympics where you know i probably was 12th man on on the bench but he would come up grab me hey you know be ready next game and he just little things like that would go a long way he just kind of felt like he had that belief in you and and as long as you went out there and played as hard as you could and uh, played within a system that he would reward you and, and success has followed him everywhere he's gone
0: Uh, i think 12th man on the bench of an olympics team is still a dream come true for for everybody so i I, I would still be be happy with that so hopefully you are happy with that as well sean hopefully that didn't take Uh,
1: there no there was no no complaining at at Mm. all i was just uh, excited to be a part of the the team and whatever they needed um, I think when you get to that level, there's <laughs> you throw your ego out the window and yeah, you're just yeah. uh, you're trying to compete for, for your country and, and trying to do the best you can and, and, and play your role. So I think um, it was uh, it, it was a special uh, moment in, in my career for sure.
0: You mentioned it before, but if you were a free agent player right now and you probably hadn't seriously considered going to the Hawks because of all of the upheaval that you'd heard about all of a sudden with Brian Gordon as their coach, do they become a, a hot a hot property for for potential free agents to want to want to go and play for?
1: sure for sure mm-hmm. i think that that's uh you know i think instantly gives them uh gives them credibility and you know i think that he is also a really good recruiter <laughs> you know yeah. he even got yeah. glenn savile to leave illawarra <laughs> to did. go to yeah. sydney so it will be uh you know i think you and the thing i think that's probably good about it as well he's always kind of felt kept his his eye on the yeah. nbl from what yeah. i know even when i got injured in what was it? 2011. He was over in yep. China. He reached out and just kind of oh, wow. connected with me. So I, so I know that he's still involved and, and keeps mm-hmm. his eye out on the NBL. You know, he's got a long affiliation with it. So he'll know the guys he wants to go after. And, uh, yeah, and the other thing I think it's important timing-wise because it's before mm-hmm. the uh, the other pre-agency comes. You know, I'm sure. So I'm sure he's talking to every agent out there, seeing who's available, what what's going on. So you know, be a number of guys. I'd imagine uh, Cam Glidden would be one of the guy that might
0: be uh, tops on his list. Yeah, I do want to talk to you about Cam in a little while, but I want to stick with the Hawks for now. Now, last time we spoke about them, we didn't know what their future held, and we were hoping that they could get a, a good, I guess, ownership syndicate in place to help the, help them build their future, and it looks like they, they've done that. So, former Sydney Kings owner, Dory Cordell, is the man leading the syndicate, with help of a man that is well-known to, obviously, basketball fans worldwide for his NBA, a work, Brian Colangelo, and also a, an American businessman, Michael Proctor, the other man leading this syndicate to take over the Hawks. And we'll have to get used to that because no longer are they the Illawarra Hawks, but they are just known as the Hawks, and they want to, I guess, take in... They want to make Canberra their own. They want to make Newcastle their own. They want to make Illawarra their own to try to, I guess, expand their horizons. Firstly, on the ownership, do you think these this syndicate seems like it's the, the right fit?
1: Look, I think I think there was quite a bit of interest. Uh, um, you know, I, I think the NBL would have done their due diligence on on the different ownership group that were coming in. But obviously, with Colangelo and his ability to probably attract a, a lot of interest from the USA and also his experience at, at the NBA, I think it gives that uh, the Hawks ownership group and team a lot of backing right there and professionalism so uh, i think it's great uh, you know you're we're seeing that trend in the nbl now where you're getting a lot of uh, american businessmen mm-hmm. or ex-nba players that yeah. want to be involved and probably don't have a billion dollars by an nba team so they're coming over here and and seeing how great the league is <laughs> it, uh, you know i think it's a, a sign of uh, where the nbl is at and how far we've come over the last few years
0: now their decision to expand out outside of not just being based in in Wollongong to me it's an interesting one. The the first point is that it sends a real scare into I guess the Illawarra community that no longer can they take this team for granted. So we've talked about on this show before how their crowd numbers just aren't simply good enough to keep the team there in the in the way that they have been turning out. So to me this shows that if they don't if they don't turn out I guess in this coming season they might lose this team altogether in from playing games in Wollongong. And the second point is if you're Canberra or Newcastle can you fully embrace a team? that I guess you still see as being a team from Wollongong. If you have a look at the rugby league rivalries and you have a look at the Canberra Raiders the, and the, the Dragons and then the Newcastle Knights, they're, they're, they're really strong rivals. So it's hard to imagine, I guess, the, the cities of, of Canberra, Newcastle and Wollongong all feeling like they can share one team. How do you, how do you feel it all? it all comes together?
1: I've never been a huge fan of that, taking, you know, even the Perth Wildcats when I first got here, we used to go play a game or two up in Darwin, and and just knowing the ins and outs of the cost and all that stuff. they never really made a whole lot of money out of that and there wasn't that, uh, you know, it was great bringing NBL basketball to Darwin and, and we got some decent crowds there but it just seemed like it was uh, it was a big effort um, and I'm not sure the reward was there and I also think, like, you, you want to have some pride, you know, this is our team this is our town Yeah, sure. um, I, I kind of feel like you're taking that a little bit out of there and maybe this is a look at maybe moving the team down the track, yep. i don't don't know. I, I hope that's not the case. I think uh, you know the fact that they're a founding club and been in the NBL since it started. I, I'd hope they find a way to keep them in Illawarra, but that that we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. But it, from the outside, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't I don't like taking games two other cities, uh, yeah. I just I just think, well, let's, let's play in our one town. Maybe you can take a random game here and there, but if you're going to say take three games to Canberra, three games to Newcastle, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, you know, I think that they've got got some ideas. They're going to try some new things, which is good, but uh, I, I haven't seen it work work yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think by basing yourself out of three different cities, I think it means that none of the three cities actually feel like it's their, their team. But in the longer term, I think it might be a trial to see which of the three cities they end up basing themselves in the long term. So whoever supports them the best in the next season or two, they might end up becoming the Canberra Hawks, the Newcastle Hawks, or go back to being the Illawarra Hawks, depending on which of the three cities supports them the best. So it might be really important for if you want an NBL club in one of those three cities, this is the time to come out and support them.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I played the Sydney Kings in, in Canberra. Didn't mm. get a great crowd there. You know, I played against the Newcastle when I first came into the league. There a yeah. crowd, the crowds weren't great then either. So I guess they're kind of all in that same boat. So you might be right. Whoever gets out and supports them the best, mm. um, it's kind of a pitch to uh, to secure a team for the following season, possibly.
0: Okay, let's move on up the up the freeway a little bit to Sydney. A lot's been happening at the at the Sydney Kings. Let's start with the news that I guess you are most familiar with. The retirement of Kevin Lish caught caught some of us by surprise. I think he, he looked like he was just warming up by the end of this past NBL season, had a had a terrific grand final series and after after injury, but I guess the the wear on his body over the last decade. The fact that he's got four four kids at home, the unknown of I get, I guess, what's happening moving forward, thanks to thanks to COVID nineteen and it everything, meant that he felt the time was right. Did his decision to retire catch you by surprise a little bit?
1: Yeah, it did actually. I, hmm. You know, I knew he had some injuries over the year, and uh, and obviously didn't play a whole lot this last season. But the fact that he played in the grand final and and looked like he was moving pretty well. And I thought, you know, he still had at least another two, three years in him. Uh, you know, I was coaching, came out and saw the news that uh, that he would retired and, and gave him a call straight away to see how he was going. And he seemed okay with it. I think, you know, sometimes when you finally make that announcement and it's finalized, um, it can be a little bit tough. I think, you know, once the season starts back up, that'll be the toughest. But for him, it was just, you know, a physical thing. He just, uh, you know, with his with his ankle um, and the surgery he had, it was going to be tough to come back. And I think the, uh, you know, probably long term, probably the smart move, but a uh, mm-hmm. big loss for NBL basketball and the Sydney Kings. Uh, you know, I think Kevin Lish, we, we, we talked to Cam Glidden and said Kevin Lish in his prime was one of the best players he, yeah. he's ever had to play against. So I think that's a, a sign of respect. I, I know for me, just a tremendous teammate. I'd take Kevin Lish on my team any day. He'd be one of my first picks. So, you know, it was just a, a lot of respect for him on the court, off the court, and, and, and the way he went about it. I think he can be, you know, he can he can hit the pillow, pillow at night and, and be proud of what he's accomplished throughout his career. And uh, he's done some incredible things, including two MVPs, championships, mm-hmm. and just being an all-around great
0: player. Yeah, for sure, and th- let's hope that we can catch up with him in the coming weeks here on Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustle Two. Because hearing hearing you and and Kev catch up for our show, I think would be would be terrific for our listeners. So we'll make sure we, we make that happen pretty soon. Now, sticking with the Sydney Kings, Andrew Bogut is also. Opted out of his deal with the with the Kings, and I guess we wait and see what his immediate future holds. To me, I think he he sits out this upcoming NBL season, and then you know somewhere towards the middle of next year he starts to ramp up his preparations to get ready for the Olympics and potentially his swan song. That's that's to me what looks like the likely path for him. What do you think he will do? And how big of a blow is it for the Kings to to not have have him to to bank on?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned I thought the Kings team this last year might have been the most talented team I, I've seen mm-hmm. taking NBL court. Now they've lost Andrew Bogut, they've lost Kevin yeah. Lish, Casper Ware has opted out, yeah. Xavier Cooks is gone.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know, that's four, their uh, starting five has, yeah. uh, has left. Uh, and in all accounts, Andrew Bogut has actually put his house up for sale in mm-hmm. Sydney as well. So I, I don't think it's likely he'll come back to the Sydney Kings, um, Mm. which I actually thought was interesting considering it was, you know, there was talk he was going to have ownership in the club. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought if he was going to keep playing. So maybe he's thinking, you know, he did say he's had some interest over in the NBA. Maybe he wants to give that one more crack and then try and play in the Olympics. I I hope he does play in the Olympics, but it'll be, uh, you know, he does have a connection with Gorgian um and uh you know illawar is not too far down uh down the road so uh could we see andrew bogut at the illawar hawks that would be that would be an interesting one as well
0: Oh, that would be that would be massive. So let's keep our eye out on that. We might start to get some of this news within the, the next week or so once free agency opens. Now speaking of free agents, Cam Glidden, we had a fascinating chat with him only a few weeks back and he had just recommitted to the Brisbane bulls and he he spoke to us about how much he was looking forward to the chance to, I guess, redeem himself for the way last season went and he had been putting the work in and he seemed really motivated and all the pieces seemed in place there for him to be getting ready for a strong season at the Bullets. I don't know what's changed since, but all of a sudden, he's, he's now no longer signed to the Brisbane Bullets. He's a free agent, and I think, I think you wouldn't be doing your due diligence if you're not every single other NBL club and considering signing him.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, looking at the realm of what's happened in the NBL and guys have kind of opted out of their contracts and you know he's probably one of those guys where he probably wasn't playing the exact role he wanted with the Brisbane Bullet. um and even to to his admission didn't have his greatest season last year, but uh, you know, still had still had a great impact. I think everyone knows what he's capable of. So, mm. you know, I think it, for him to take a fifty percent pay cut to stay at a team where yeah. he's probably not playing the exact role that he wants to, to me, just from a business case point of view, and credit you know bullets allowing him to uh, to to exit out of that, I think he'll be one of the hottest free agents. Yep. You know, I think there's definitely talk over over West that they would um, they'd be happy to to have him. Over here, you know, being a a WA boy from Bunbury, so we'll be able to see. You've
0: already offered him a job too, remember?
1: Yes, I did. I did. Uh, (laughs) You know, he could be working for Reddish Basketball as well. Mm -hmm. So, but we'll uh, we'll see how uh, how that all plays out. But uh, you know, I I think every team would be. uh, connecting with him and, and seeing what uh, what he's looking for because he, he's just one of those uh, guys that plays both sides ball and can shoot three, um, obviously a boomer. So you, you, it's hard to get those guys uh, on your team. So I think he'll be a hot commodity out there.
0: I also haven't had the chance to get your thoughts on Bryce Cotton recommitting to the Perth Wildcats as well. How huge was that? And the longer this goes on for, do you think the chance of Nick Kay re-signing as well gets better and better?
1: Yeah, I think there's, I do think that the, you know, obviously with Nick K not having signed anywhere else currently, I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's looking more likely that he, you know, he might stay here. And with the Bryce Cotton thing, I think that, you know, to me, that's probably a sign if you're a Wildcat fan, that I think this is where Bryce Cotton, hopefully his last stop mm-hmm. as, as a player, you know, that you've seen that with a number of guys that they've brought the Wildcats over. You know, James Crawford and Ricky Grace, myself, come over here and and, and find a home. And and, uh, yeah, so it's a um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think it's a great song that probably and for three years as well. So Mm. uh, it's great for the league. I mean, Bryce Cotton is just uh, a world class player. So I think it's it's great that we're able to uh, to keep a talent like that.
0: What isn't great for the league is what's happening up in Cairns right now. So the Taipans organisation is doing nothing wrong. You know they've got their finances on track. They they've done some really good things in recent years to get the club in a strong financial position and a, and a stronger position to be a be a powerhouse in the league. Um, on the court, we saw that they were able to put together a tremendous team last year that, that pushed the, the Perth Wildcats in the in the semi-finals. But all of a sudden, the Cairns City Council has decided that smack bang in the middle of this upcoming NBL season, they want to redevelop the Cairns Convention center which has thrown things into chaos because there's no other venue in Cairns obviously that the Taipans can play in it's really unknown right now what's going to happen there's probably a chance that the Taipans can't compete this season there's a chance that they might have to play their home games in Townsville which would be obviously disruptive to Cairns or let's hope that common sense prevails and and the Cairns City Council just delays the redevelopment until March because what's the difference really between November and March on a building that doesn't really desperately need the work that's going to be done.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one and you would have thought uh, maybe even that time ta- you know if they were going to do it why not do it during the coronavirus when you exactly. have yep. n- nothing going on and there's nothing going on currently so go yep. get some of that work try and get it as much done now so uh, so the taipans could could play i yeah it, yeah it's got to be frustrating for the taipans to uh you know and, and um, my guess is and i don't know the all ins and outs of, of how it works up there and and as far as events and that type of thing Thing, but my guess is the taipans are their number one, mm-hmm. you know, client. Yeah. So you probably want to keep them happy and keep them around. Otherwise, you, you lose a significant source of, of revenue for uh, an event center like that. So so it's a, it's an interesting move. Let's hope common sense prevails. You know, I think I've seen a lot of things going out there. People sauning to uh, petition for it. So so hopefully, uh well, your, your old common- Alex
0: Loudon's been leading that.
1: Yeah. No, no, but no one better to, to lead mm-hmm. that charge as for well. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, let, let's let hope that uh, that everything works out there because, you know, Taipans, I think if they can bring back that those guys, um, you know, they're going to be a, a force to reckon with in the NBL for a long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this league needs that Cairns Taipans organization and that team that they, they had in it. So let's hope that, yeah, like you said, common sense can prevail. Now... Just one, one, one last one before we go to the first break and we go to our chat with with Alex, Alex Pledger, Sean. Bit of local news in Perth. Ryan, Ryan Patrick Bang announced the head coach of the, the Perth Lynx. I think it's a terrific signing and a great show of faith that the coaching work done through the pathways of, of basketball in WA can lead to a either WNBL or an NBL head coaching job. I think it's, I think it's a great sign that our pathways are working. Um, obviously, you've spent a little bit of time with him when he was helping out a little bit. Had the Perth Wildcats, you've coached against him. This past year, and played against his team, his Rockingham Flames team in the SBL. How pleased are you that a local got got the job at the at the Perth Lynx?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a great song, and uh, you know, you talk about basketball pathways, and, and I think there's some fantastic coaches here in WA, and uh, I, it, you know, I think you know he's familiar with the program as well, and a lot of the players, and so I think I think it was just a natural progression. I'm glad uh, it went that route, and I think also you, you've already seen some of the, the players been able to attract, especially n- none bigger than Sammy Wickham, be able mm-hmm. to come back. It's yeah. uh, y- y- you know, I think the links are looking and um, are looking pretty good and in a pretty good position. You know, there's probably some worries when, when the Wildcats kind of relinquished their mm-hmm. right to the links and it went back to, to BWA. But I like that they're going out and still getting those top-tier players. And, and my understanding is that WNBL, they, they won't have imports no, won't. this next year. So um, to be able to get a, a Sammy Wickham, is probably the best player when you can have imports, mm-hmm. um, almost makes her uh, double yeah, um, sure. the player that, that, sure. that she can be. So I'm sure they're building the team around her. And, uh, you know, I think it, uh, hopefully we can continue to build on some of the things that the, the WNBL has done over the past season. And I think, you know, it'll be uh, you know, a great sign for, for the coaches here in WA as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Now, let's keep moving here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustling and head to our chat with four times NBL championship winner of the New Zealand Breakers, Melbourne United big man, current NBL free agent Alex Pledger. Let's, let's get right to it. Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and one, one of my favourite NBL players now now has been happy enough to join us. He's he's had a tremendous career. If you have a look at it, look at it, almost three hundred games now in the in the NBL, four time championship winner at the at the New Zealand Breakers, and he's still pl- still playing an important role where he is now at Melbourne United. He does he's he continues to be a mainstay of the the New Zealand Tall Blacks team. I assume he's proud of his NBL and basketball career overall so it's going to be fascinating to go through all of that with him here and of course my co-host sean Redditch has a pretty long history with him as well so we can can touch on that at some point as well but that's enough for me alex thanks for joining us and how do we find you during this this strange time time in the world
3: yeah um thank you thank you for having me um yeah it's yeah it's just whenever you look at your phone or turn on the tv there's always Seems to be some sort of depressing news about something on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, just overall, you know, I feel pretty fortunate that um, that you know I've been able to kind of get through it relatively unscathed, and, um, and yeah, just, just considering all that's going on, um, yeah, just mm-hmm. feel feeling pretty fortunate.
0: Well, it's been, what's it been, it's been three and a half, almost four months since you, or well, what, three and a half months now since your NBL season finished at Melbourne United. Um, You've stayed in Melbourne in that time since. What has life been like since it's been so heavily interrupted by everything going on thanks to COVID-19?
3: Um. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, we've kind of been following the, obviously I'm a New Zealander, so kind of been following the... Um, like, like what they were doing over there in terms yeah. of the obviously the kind of like the level of the restrictions and everything that were put in place where over there were a little bit tighter and, you know, there was a, a mm. month where they basically weren't allowed to leave the house. Um, yeah. So, you know, so that we kind of just, I guess, just for absolute safety, just kind of followed that and only left the house when we, when we need to, made um, mm. fitness wise, I've been doing what I can. and the hallway with a resistance band and a foam roller you can only you can only do so much when you have pretty limited equipment so Mm. the first couple of days when you know when all this kind of all not not when it's probably going to be a while before it completely goes away but you know when we're allowed some some restrictions are lifted and we're allowed to start um you know doing training again the the first few days will be interesting on the body but, but um but yeah it'll um but yeah we just kind of you know tried to stay as safe as possible and um and yeah only venture out if it was uh absolutely necessary
0: when when it first all happened and i guess you had a a really brief window to try to get home to new zealand were you always going to stay in melbourne or did you consider getting back home getting back home and then i guess being stuck at home for for i guess you just didn't know how long you would have been being stuck there for Did, did you consider heading back home
3: um, yeah, we, I thought about it, but, you know, I'd sign play in the big V during the off season, yep. um, just locally here in Melbourne. And, um, you know, at the time when kind of heavier restrictions were in place, that hadn't been officially cancelled. So, mm. um, and, you know, with, at that time, you know, nobody knew how quickly it was whether it was going to get worse or whether it was going to improve quickly because nobody knew anything so yep. you know there were kind of questions about whether you go over there or you'd be able to come back and kind of nobody knew how long you know it was all gonna last for and i still don't think anyone does really so you know you know we just decided to stay put and um just until there's a little bit more clarity with the whole situation and what you can and can't do for, around the world so, yeah. See, so yeah, I, I I thought about it, but um, but you know, just you know, I think ultimately staying put was a pretty good decision. Yeah,
0: and are you, are you still obviously still signed for Melbourne United for next season? So that was that was a big part of your decision to to stay in Melbourne too. Uh,
3: I'm, I I'm off contract this upcoming. Oh, you off contract? Sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, um, well, there goes that question. I was I was going to ask the the whole pay cut situation, but obviously if you didn't have a contract, it didn't affect you. Um, yeah. Have you discussed? Have you have you started discussions with Melbourne United? Is I guess you'll wait and see if they come to you with an offer. But is your hope to come back to Melbourne United and play for for Dino for another season?
3: Um, obviously I'd love that, but, um, Yeah. you know, but, you know, I think everybody that's a free agent at the moment kind of just understands that, um, you know, just unsure of what the kind of, I guess, climate would be the word in terms of, you know, sponsorship and whether there's going to be crowds or not and mm. all that kind of stuff. I think, Yeah. you know, before, before, and that's probably the reason why free agency has been pushed back a couple of times that, you know, they... Don't want to rush into any decisions. They kind of want to,
1: and that, that isn't
3: just Melbourne United. I think that's every team. No, no. Um, yeah, they want to just you know just get a good idea of you know what what things are going to be like before they um, you know start offering stuff to people. So so yeah, I'll just uh, do what I can to stay in good condition until then, and um, just be patient and just see what happens.
0: Either way, I guess at this point you're just hoping that you've got an- you've got at least another season left in the league. Is that is that the way you go? Do you just wait and see sort of what pops up? And if you get more than one offer, you consider it. But as long as you get one offer, you'll be you'll be happy to to make a move if you if it comes to that.
3: Yeah, I mean I you know I've never well, I'd be. Just like most people I think will kinda of just be mm. uh, you know, happy just depending on the situation and all of that kind of stuff. You've got a you know, there's a few things to consider when it comes to all that. But yeah, I'd be yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be again kind of playing anywhere, really.
0: Yeah. I've had a I've had a couple of really good discussions with Mika Vacona about about that time when he left the the New Zealand Breakers and how tough it was but at the same time I guess the way he was being talked about in the role he was offered it he felt like he was left in in no choice but you know from the outside I don't think anyone expected to ever see Mika play for any other club except the Breakers for the rest of his career and I think you were in that same boat I think all of us expected to see you play for the Breakers for your whole career probably Jay Ealy was the same when you reflect back now how tough was it to leave the Breakers and I, I don't think it was your decision to leave but how tough was it to, to break ties with the breakers and end up playing for for another club and have to leave your, your home country?
3: Um, yeah, it was obviously pretty tough when you've gone through, you know, four championships and, you know, kind of everything that I've been through there. But, you yeah, know, I guess at the same time, you know, a fresh group of, or a new group of uh, owners came in and they kind of had you know, what their vision and their direction and what they wanted to do. So, um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I guess it was the, you know, people, you know, that, that old saying that, you know, basketball is is a business that I guess that was my kind of after nine or 10 years of however long I was there for, um, Mm -hmm. was kind of, kind of my first experience of kind of, you know, of that kind of quote being a reality. But, um, but you know um yeah, I'm pretty grateful that um obviously I'd played for Dean at the Breakers for 3 for 3 years when he was the head coach and he was the assistant for the first 3 or 4 that I was there and played under him uh, in the New Zealand domestic competition as well for a couple mm-hmm. of years so, so you know I felt pretty fortunate that um when that happened he um kind of threw me a lifeline and yeah. and yeah thought, and um and yeah I've I've loved the 2 years that I've been here so far
0: I guess once you get into a basketball club there's probably not a lot of massive differences but I'm sure from living to Auckland to living in Melbourne is a is a big difference. What have you noticed? What's the what's the major differences you've noticed between living not only from city to city but you've you've had to change country to country?
3: Yeah I guess it's just like you said it's not too different. There are kind of I guess little things about how in terms of just off the court how things operate mm. but Honestly, it, it didn't feel too different. Like, I, I knew a few guys on the team already, and, and obviously, yep. I, as I just mentioned, I'd played for Dean for a long time. So, yeah. um, you know, I guess a lot of it felt more, just felt more familiar than it did different. You know, if I went to, a, I don't know, just one of the other teams where I'd never, never met, well, not met, but never really spoken with that coach before, never played with any of those yeah. players, Um, you know, it would have been um a little bit different but you know I guess I was I guess I'm a little bit lucky that several of the coaches in the NBL at the moment are former brokers coaches and I just
2: happened yeah, yeah. to
3: play for one of them again. So um so yeah, it was um a little bit different but honestly it kind of felt, you know, it was it was a pretty pretty easy kind of kinda of transition. Just yeah, outside of a few a few things. Obviously Australia again being an English speaking country and basically you know, you can fly to New Zealand quicker than you can fly to Perth from here. So, it's, uh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it wasn't, so, yeah, it was, it didn't really feel too different at all. You know, New Zealand and Australia are yeah. pretty, pretty similar in the way they go about things. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a, a huge shock to the system at all.
0: Now now, Alex, this has been an interesting time, and you're still living in Melbourne, where you're still under some restrictions now. How have you been able to pass your time because it's been it's been a long time now where you've been under some sort of restrictions, so you I'm sure you haven't been able to get back, get out on a basketball court, and I'm sure you're still not allowed to get out of your house a lot unless it's for for something you know something necessary. How are you passing your time with yourself and I think it's your fiance at the moment?
3: Yeah yeah the at the at the very start of it when kind of restrictions were at their kind of at their strictest um mm. we, we kind of weren't doing a whole lot of anything and then yeah. with um you know the situation that we're in with uh, yeah, I contemplated um, going back to New Zealand and playing in the um, the kind of little revamped competition that mm. they've put together for this season. But, um, you know, back then, nobody knew if it was going to get considerably worse or it was going to pass quite quickly. And, yep. um, you know, I didn't want to go back over there. Then, you know, if things got a lot worse, kind of not be able to come back over. So, um, you know, there were kind of, you know, a few things that I had to kind of weigh up. And I ultimately decided to stay here, but, um, but yeah, I've been making use of the limited gym equipment uh, I've got uh, in mm-hmm. the in the hallway of the apartment building. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, the, when you know when teams are allowed to start signing people, and you know whatever ends up happening there, you know the first first week or so back at training is going to be interesting. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, Have you yeah. touched the basketball but, at all? Uh, yeah, I've gone down to uh, there's a couple of just like parks and okay. uh, goals and stuff that are around yep, the area. Yep. So yeah, I have taken a ball down there to one of those and got a few shots up every so often. Sure. But yeah, it gets, especially this time of year, it gets dark quite early and mm-hmm. it's cold yep. and when it's cold yep, and windy yep. and um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of air balls have been rained uh, on the wind. So um, I've been trying to I've been trying to trying to do what i can but it's been um you probably can't yeah, dunk stronger. on those rings either can you huh? you probably can't oh, dunk on can't. those rings either can you <laughs> uh you definitely can't hang on them <laughs> No, no. Yeah, I'd, hate, I'd hate to be that guy that ruins the uh, basketball
0: <laughs> hoop for a bunch of school kids. <laughs> um, could the great positive out of this period for you ultimately be that it's a great chance to freshen up your body pretty much? Well, for the last 10 years, you've gone pretty much playing 12 months of the year, of the year all, all around. When you play NBL, you take in Tall Black's commitments and you go back to playing in the New Zealand NBL. This is probably the longest period you've ever had without playing basketball. It's obviously not ideal and you didn't choose it, but could it end up having some, some positives?
3: Yeah, I think so. Like, like you just said, um, it's basically the first non-injury related kind of mm. off-season or kind of real time off I've had ever. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, so it has been. You know, I've been, you know, trying to do as much as I can to, to stay in uh, decent shape, but mm. but yeah, it has. At the same time, it has been nice to kind of just relax a little bit and um, just not stress about basketball so much kind of just uh, let the body rest and you know let things just heal up a little bit and yeah. let things recover and and yeah it has you know from that point of view it, it has been pretty nice you know I had a pretty pretty rough season last season with ankle mm-hmm. surgery and then back issues kind of yeah. over the second half of the season so um, you know getting you know having a little bit of time to kind of let those things just uh, sort themselves out a little bit it has been has been pretty nice even though the Hmm. circumstances around why it's happened obviously haven't been great (coughs)
0: no no um we talked earlier about how how much pride you've got in those four championships that you've won with the breakers but is it are you equally as proud of everything that you achieved while playing for the tall blacks how big of a part of of your life is it and how how big of a deal is it for you to always make yourself available to play play for your country
3: yeah, it's always, it's always been, um, a big honour to represent New Zealand. You know, I've been, been a part of some, some pretty special moments throughout the, um, uh, throughout the years, um, you know, probably even though it was kind of early um, in my international career, um, you know, beating Australia. Sorry to bring that up. In the, um, no, no, it's all fine. The two <laughs> thousand, the <laughs> two thousand and nine World Cup qualifying series. Um, you know, I think um, up until you know earlier this year, when the Tall Blacks beat the Boomers in Brisbane a few months mm. back. Um, yep. You know, that was. I think it was only the second maybe third time that um the tall blacks had ever beaten australia in a series and and we were um at the time it was around that time where um obviously we still had kirk penny and and micka guys like that but all the pero cameron and phil jones and paul hanari and uh, all of those guys it had kind of you know the kind of the guys from that era are kind of moving on and, um, you know, the, the new guys are coming in. So we're a pretty young and inexperienced team and to uh, get up against the, that Boomers team in that series uh, will always be one of the, the greatest memories I've had for the tour. It's
0: always been fascinating to me to... To talk to guys like Mika and Kirk and even Corey Webster is pretty outspoken about it and and Tommy about how far basketball has come in New Zealand over the last 10 or 12 years. You have a look at the success that Breakers have had. You have a look at the things that you do at the Tall Blacks. and. The participation levels back in New Zealand are now, I think it's almost surpassed netball and and rugby as the highest participation sport in the country. But yet for some reason, it's a frustration for everybody involved in New Zealand basketball that the the funding just doesn't seem to be coming your way compared to other sports. Do you, do you feel like that's, you're constantly hitting your head against a brick wall back, back home because the support isn't sort of matching the, the amount of success that you're, you're having as a, as a country on the basketball court?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely frustrating. You know, we mm. you know when it comes to like the the high performance uh, like high performance funding for like Olympic campaigns and World Cup campaigns and stuff like that. You know, my my understanding of how they divvy up the the money that they have is uh, based on the likelihood of winning a medal at the Olympics yeah. or the World mm. Cup and uh, and stuff like that, and as as unpatriotic as this may sound, you know, for for the tall blacks that you know are very well, I don't think New Zealand or Australia have ever done that. Australia, no. Or, uh, or Australia still still has a middle no. Yeah, so it, so it's you know based on that criteria. Um, I guess I can kind of understand it, but you know, the question yeah. kind of needs to be the the criteria has to change a little bit because
2: absolutely,
3: absolutely. Um, with with all due respect to every Olympic athlete in New Zealand, you know, I haven't seen too many kids growing up wanting to be an archer or something exactly. <laughs> you know just kind, of, kind of those kind of like, like those more the, uh kind of sports that you know get a lot of funding because they have a couple of people that uh, compete well at the olympics so um well, yeah exactly so, whereas steven someone like yeah.
0: steven adams would be now getting close to a, a dan carter type of level wouldn't he
3: yeah, you yeah. know, he's, you know, probably the most you know, and like what you mentioned earlier about uh, the breakers and the tall blacks, you know, he's also been a pretty major reason, um For sure. why basketball has increased in popularity as well. And um yeah, it's kind of it's it that it seems around the same time every year they do what they do and then every basketball player in the country voices their displeasure on social media somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of just have it saved from the same date every year almost <laughs> but um but yeah, yeah i mean where you've you know i'm i'm not sure what else we can do, really? We've, yeah. you know, we've formed well consistently on the world stage. We're one of the, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that uh, streak ended this year, but oh, at last year's World Cup. But we yep. were one yep. of the, I think we were one of four or five countries in the whole world that had got to the second round of the World Cup uh, since 2002. Yeah, um, and
0: you you were in the group of death. Yeah. and you almost got out of it. You almost did make it.
3: Yeah, so we formed pretty well consistently pretty well on the world stage and and yeah i guess you know everything that can possibly said has been said i think we just have to hope one of these days they change their mind
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um i think it's come up again more recently when the nbl didn't receive any funding for this upcoming season that they've been able to get up and going now that it is up and going have you been able to catch any of it and what have you made of it
3: um, yeah, they have a kind of like league pass type thing that mm-hmm. um, that uh, is available worldwide. Um, that lets you wa- uh, watch every game live yeah. if, you, if you if you don't live in New Zealand or don't have live TV in yep. New Zealand. And, um, and yeah, I watched a couple of games the other night. And it, yeah, it's a great competition, especially with the the restrictions around crowds and stuff being lifted in New Zealand just a couple of days before it started. So yeah, it's good to. You know, hear a bit of noise in there when you're watching as well, and you know the teams. You know, they they had a draft, and the way they did it out. You know, it seems that the talent is pretty um, evenly distributed, um, and they, you know, quite a few teams have had guys that. We're kind of just coming out of quarantine and then, you know, playing the next day without any trainings and some guys mm-hmm. have been nursing injuries and stuff like that. So um they're a week into it. I think the second week starts today, actually. And um yeah. so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to get a, a gauge on who the best teams are, you know, since some teams. Uh, have been missing players or have been playing with guys that haven't practiced and have just come out of sitting in a hotel for two weeks. But um, mm. yeah, I think you'll you know get a pretty good idea of how good of a competition it is over the coming weeks. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed watching it so far.
0: Yeah, obviously you still need to work out who you'll be playing for. But we've spoken early on the show w- where I spoke with Sean. We both certainly would be amazed if you're not in the NBL for this upcoming season because we still feel like you've got plenty left to give. As as you said that you feel like you do earlier, but now that you've got a tentative start day for the season december the 3rd do you start to count down for that and try to make sure that you're you know 100 ready to go for that do you do you start counting down the days for for i guess that date
3: uh yeah and i guess the uh in an ideal world it wouldn't be pushed back kind of two months later than yeah. it normally yeah. would be but um you know i had signed um for a, a team here in melbourne for the off season sure. just in one of yep. the domestic competitions and you know, with the league being pushed back of at least you know a couple of months, and with that December third kind of tentative date, you know, hopefully, if things with COVID don't get considerably worse than kind of where they're heading at the moment, um, you know, I'll be able to sneak in quite a few games um, with that team, um, you know, before the season starts to uh, just get some legs and some touch and some feel back, hmm. and um, and uh, you know, hopefully, that'll uh, put me in a In a a pretty good place.
0: Now, like I just said, I still feel like you've got plenty left in your career. But already, if I had told you 12 years ago when you were coming back to start your NBL career, you know, or your professional career as a development player at the Breakers, if if you were to find out that you'd you'd play, you know, 300 games professionally, you'd win four four championships in an Australian league as a New Zealand team, you would win championships locally in in your in your national league and you would be such an important player for your international team the tall blacks um even though you haven't finished achieving uh, would, it, would you would you be pretty quick to take that that career if you're offered it you know 10 or 12 years ago
3: oh definitely i mean i um you know i got uh, in, a, in a kind of team environment i think um you know that kind of the thing that you can be, that you can kind of be best known as i think um mm-hmm. you know there are there are definitely guys out there um that might be better individually or put up better stats or stuff like that but yeah at the business end of the season i uh usually round up a few spots ahead of them um, yeah. so um so well, yeah I, i'm I, not
0: sure anyone would choose four mvp <laughs> awards over four championships would they
3: uh would be surprised uh, if they did anything anyway. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah like cuz I and I think it was in 2011 I won um league mvp of the yep. New Zealand nba mm-hmm. and um and we lost and you know we I think we'd won 10 of 11 games heading into the semifinal. Um, the team that we were playing in the semifinal, we'd beaten them on the road, like at their mm-hmm. place, by about 25, like two or three weeks before set us in the semifinal. And, you know, being called out into the middle of the court to receive an MVP award when you, um, you know, when you just get knocked out of the semifinal oh, and you don't have a yeah. chance to win it. Um, yeah, that uh, I quickly ran out there. You know, took the mm-hmm. stupid photo, then ran off the court, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, and yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a great feeling, and um, and yeah, I've always ever, ever since then, I've always you know, I've never really thought that individual awards are that um, are that important, but you know, the feeling of winning a championship um, is, is definitely uh, a lot greater than winning something individual.
0: Mm-hmm. The fact that you won four championships, and the fact that the Breakers have only won four championships in in the NBL, and that's not to say it's not a great achievement, but all four you've been part of. How proud are you that you've been part of that sort of success? And what did it mean to you to to win those those titles? Um, yeah, but obviously it it's it meant
3: a lot to me. It meant a lot to kind of New Zealand basketball in general. You know, around that time there was a, a massive spike in popularity, which I think is kind of still growing you know, mm. in New Zealand. I thought, oh, Sorry, basketball, I think, I think is the, um, the most popular team sport, um, you know, played around schools in yeah, the
2: yeah. moment,
3: in terms of like numbers, yeah, like the amount sure. of people participating, you know, and, you know, 10 years ago, when you'd think of, you know, New Zealand's most popular New Zealand team sports, you know, rugby would mm-hmm. probably be the one that would, that would uh, be at the top mm-hmm. of this. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, the the break is, you know, the, those kind of five or six years where we were always in the hunt, uh, combined with, um, Stephen Adams, uh, making the NBA, sure. um,
2: yeah.
3: and having the success he's had. I think it's just, it's played a pretty uh, massive role just in the, in the growth of the sport in New Zealand, which is mm. great to see. But, but yeah, I feel, um, you know, pretty, you know, pretty proud to you know, me, um, yeah, Tom Abercrombie and, and Micka Vacona are mm-hmm. the, the three guys that were, or the four, or the three players at least that were, mm-hmm. um, on all four of those teams. And, um, and yeah, it's something that I'm, uh, you know, always gonna look back fondly on. Um, you know, I've got the, I've got the rings on my little, uh, bedside table thing, mm-hmm. uh, every so often. I just, uh, open them up and <laughs> have a little look yeah, and, uh, yeah. and yeah it's always uh, yeah that's always something that I'm uh, you know being, uh, being you know, that first TV club to win a, a championship in an, a, in an
2: Australian-based
3: yeah. competition. You know, it's, you know, It's always something that I'm going to be, be proud of and without being
0: too arrogant it's always something that I'm going <laughs> to let people know. Well, well absolutely. So, <laughs> so you should. It's impossible to think of that period without thinking of the rivalry you had with the Perth Wildcats as well and obviously given my co-host here is Sean Reddy. Sean was a big part of that as well. When I mentioned the name Sean Reddy what what immediately springs to mind? Well, that's
2: to swear in there. <laughs> um,
0: nah.
3: Um, that, that has
0: been the reaction of some people already. Trust me. Uh,
3: yeah, I think um, you know, uh, like honestly, like off the court, um, I don't really know him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. You know, Jared Kenny played in Perth for a couple of hmm. years, and quite a few years back, a uh, Kiwi guy named pretty good friends with named Jeremiah Truman. Oh, uh, I, I,
2: I know, I know Jeremiah yeah. well.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played for the for the Wildcats as well. So you know, based off of what those guys have told me, you know, off the court, he's a pretty good guy. But in terms of on the court, I think he's just, I think he's just, he's he's one of those guys, kind of like a micker. Like mm-hmm. a, if he plays for your team, you love him, but if he isn't on your team, hmm. you don't like him.
2: Sure, but, absolutely.
3: You know, and I guess that's just—you know—he was obviously, you know, one of the best players throughout the league in you know the decade or so that he played. You know, looking back, looking at the career that he had, the you know the you know the old break, old breakers, owners, and you know coaches back in the day are probably spewing that they let him go. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: But um, but yeah, he was he was obviously a phenomenal player. Someone you know when um you know during those breakers, those those three peak years, you know the had you know Micah Sacona and Dylan Boucher probably mm. the two the two best, you know, defensive players in yep. the league at that position and um and you know, he still gave us so um so yeah he was I think he was just, you know, one of those guys that um you know yeah you know one of those players that um that you that you just love to hate. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: yeah, handled that well. Um yeah. <laughs> And now, this isn't to say that you still couldn't easily have a number of years left in your career, but have you thought about what you might like to do post-basketball? Have you got something in place or do you have some ideas of what you might like to transition into down the track?
3: Um, yeah, I mean I still I think I still have um a few years left. For sure, but, yeah. You know, when I when I was in uh in the US uh I was studying sports management and um uh I didn't graduate like as I mentioned, I transferred and you know, between schools so some things transfer and some things don't mm. and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I didn't completely get my degree over there. Um and you know, it's something that I've been looking into but just mm. Um just haven't got round to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: After, after, which sound pretty bad considering we least 11 years ago. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> uh, thinking about it in my head, but yeah, mm. you know, there's a few fields that I don't think anyone... Truly, 100% do, like knows what they want to do. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
3: yeah, kind of something in that sort of field. Just um, <laughs> something I've always had, had an interest in. Yep. Um, yeah, something um, I'd like to pursue when that, when that time comes.
0: Now, the fact that you're seven feet one tall, I'm sure that your whole life you've caught comments about being being tall. What's the What's the most tiring comment that people make when when they they see you walk past?
2: Also,
3: the, the tiring thing isn't, um, actually the comments, mm-hmm. the tire, like the, the thing that kind of annoys me the most is, like, is like staring. Yeah. 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 And then you catch someone doing it mm-hmm. and they kind of look away <laughs> and think they were Yep. Yeah. Or like you'll be standing in a line somewhere kind of just in your own little world, not paying attention and there's someone behind you, like, <laughs> you know, taking a leaky selfie when you're looking mm-hmm. the other way and, yeah. and, and, mm. and stuff like that so yeah it's that you know like I you know I I honestly much prefer if people do come up and say something than just staring yeah yeah time. of course but um but yeah I've been I'm 33 now and I've been this tall since I was 18 so <laughs> i <trying to> <laughs> yeah so I was uh, yeah, so kind of heard all of them. Yeah, um, I bet. yeah. There's a yeah. I've seen that have seen just on social media and stuff like that that uh, you know former NBA players and other tall people you know kind of comebacks and things that they say.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I've tried a few of them I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not ballsy enough to try an an, an infamous uh, Phil Chamberlain one but but um, so yeah it's it's not really not really a thing that bothers me anymore
0: okay (laughs) (laughs) very good Um, it's been been a been a great great time to just catch up with you I guess without the without the pressures of of anything going on and just being able to sort of reflect on your journey and you know talk about what you're up to now and what you're up to in the future and, and everything so it's been been great for you to be so generous with your time and, and so open and, and honest about everything pledged. So I've really, really, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed watching your, your whole career and, and like I said there's, there's every indication that there's plenty of years left so let's hope whether it's at Melbourne or wherever it is we, we see you in the, in the league next season and for plenty of years to come but yeah for now thanks very much for joining us on the show and I'm sure Sean will say hello to you next time he sees you but thanks for your, word, thanks for your words about him as well but yeah thanks very much for joining us. Cheers
2: thank you for having me.
0: Okay, back here on Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustle, and I really enjoyed that chat with Alex Pledger. Um, just quickly before we move on, Sean, assuming he does find a home for this upcoming NBL season, is there a club that stands out as an obvious choice for, for Alex? Is it staying in Melbourne? Is it going back to the Breakers? Or do you see him being a good fit somewhere else?
1: Oh, well, I think, you know, anyone could use his skill set that he has. Um, there's not many you know seven footers around that have the experience and um kind of know how to to play their role like he does so i kind of feel like it'll be the breakers will have a really good look at him Hmm. um i think he fits into into uh that team obviously that being home and he's had a lot of success there so i think that would be a, a likely scenario um for him possibly
0: yeah, so we we'll are waiting to see. Obviously now the free agency date has been pushed back another couple of weeks. So it starts July 15. And we've also got an official start date or a tentative start date for the NBL season on December the, the 3rd. Does that make sense to you? Does that seem like a good, good time to be aiming to start?
1: Yeah, I think they've obviously want the other uh, sporting codes to be finished up. They want to give themselves enough time to to make sure they can have everyone in the stadium fans, hopefully. I think mm-hmm. uh, it, I like the fact that they've kind of come out early and everyone can kind of plan around it. Uh, obviously, we know that things do change in this world quite rapidly mm-hmm. at the moment. But uh, at least gives the teams a, a bit of time to, to figure things out And especially bringing in the imports back um, You know, international travel And that's going to be a little bit more trickier than in the past as well So we'll kind of see how that, that all plays out But I think, I think it's the right move It sounds like a, a good time to start And, you know, we tend to get a lot of fans, the NBL Over that kind of Christmas holiday period yeah. um, Because people are looking for things to do So it might not be a bad time to really kick off the season And get everyone uh, excited about basketball
0: yeah, I yeah, totally agree. Um, a bit closer to home for you, Sean. You were planning on playing another state basketball league season with the Perry Lakes Hawks. Obviously, that was cancelled thanks to COVID-19, as all of the state league competitions across the, the country were. But Basketball WA has announced a replacement tournament at West Coast Classic, which will run for, for 10 weeks and then have a, a weekend of, of finals with the top four teams playing. Will we see you gracing the courts again, or are you going to take a break in 2020?
1: Yeah, I think at this point I'll take a break. I got a little bit of a niggling knee injury that I kind of got to get sorted. So mm-hmm. instead of uh, risking it, I think uh, I think it's also probably a great time to give some of these younger guys yeah. a chance to kind of play um, in, a, in a quality league. And, and I like the fact that they're actually still going to be able to do something. You know, most, most leagues around, around Australia aren't going ahead. So it gives us, gives some gauze. And we've heard some interest from NBL players wanting to uh, play in the league as well. So it, you know, I think it's great for basketball. I think WA probably one of the better places in the world to be right now. And, you know, they, they, probably going to get some decent crowds to these games as yeah, well i expect so, with with not much uh, not much else on as far as basketball was
0: yeah if i was one of the clubs taking part i would be taking that approach where i would be wanting to give my young players a chance as well i i don't think throwing everything at winning a tournament like this is really going to be beneficial in the long run so i'd be taking that approach too but can matt parsons welcome you to his coaching staff at least for for that two-month period
1: see i'm uh, you know i'm I'm heavily involved with the hawks and, mm. and run a lot of stuff my my son plays for in their wobble program and, and domestic program as well so you'll see me around but mm-hmm. we'll see uh at what capacity. I haven't really had those discussions sure. with uh parsons as well but it'll um i'm sure i'm sure you'll see me around uh, the club quite a bit
0: now on a much bigger stage, the nba has announced that they will be returning they'll be playing they'd be playing out of out of out of disneyland they'll be playing with 22 clubs to finish the regular season i guess whether or not this still goes ahead given the spate of of covid-19 cases that nba players and everyone involved is still catching is still is still on the rise so we'll wait to see if it actually happens but they've got a plan in place to to play it and to base it out of Disneyland and to finish the season and to have a full full finals <laughs> series, um, do you like the plan they've come up with and do you see it ending up actually happening?
1: Look, I think they're trying to make the best out of a, a pretty dire situation currently over in the United States uh, dealing with coronavirus. I don't know. I, I just... The way things are going over there, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be actually able to complete the season. And mm-hmm. I'll throw a scenario. What happens if a couple players do get coronavirus? They're all in the same area. Exactly. How does that work? I mean, I haven't heard what the protocols are going to be in that scenario, but I suspect it's going to be pretty pretty tough to complete the season.
0: I think so too. I just think time-wise, they don't have enough time now. with. With players now catching it, with with cases, you know, in Florida, they in the area on the rise. I just think, I just don't think they're going to be having to have enough time. So maybe the best idea is to now just cancel this season and aim for for a restart of the twenty the twenty twenty one season. Aim to start that maybe sometime in November and call the quits on this one.
1: Well, and the other thing though, is, they're talking about November possibly being when the next that next wave when you know you yeah, start getting sure. into blue season and the winter yeah. season over there. So, um, some some very tricky scenarios that uh, these sporting leagues are going to have to to deal with. So, um, you know, we could see the NBL kind of being one of the few leagues, yeah, um, actually able to have fans and and really makes them in-ground. So there could be a lot of people wanting to come play in the NBL next season, I think. I think it
0: makes us lucky to be living where we are right now. I, I have a look at some of these things happening around the world and we're in a very good place.
1: Yeah, we are. I mean, I, I just wonder, are other sporting codes possibly even going to try and bring their uh, tournaments or games yeah, over here? I'm yeah. um, not, not sure that the Australian government or New Zealand government would, it would welcome that, but mm. uh, I'm sure they would explore that Considering how well uh, these two countries have, have handled the virus so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, got some exciting news to announce as well, Sean. We, our show here, Basketball Hustle, has been made possible throughout this last NBL season and now during the off-season, thanks to Hoops Heaven and. And I've got some good news to announce that they have recommitted to continue supporting our show. And not only that, but they've got a brand new store that they've unveiled on Murray Street in the, in the Perth City. They Through this COVID-19, it's allowed them to do some remodeling of the store. They, they've made the, made the store look a lot cleaner. They've now got three months' worth of new stock in, in the store as well, which you can go and check out. So there's some incredible sneakers, NBA gear, Nike gear, Jordan gear, Adidas gear. Anything you can imagine that's related to to basketball, you can go and purchase that at Hoops Heaven. It's a brand-new-looking store. The staff there will take great care of you. If you can't make it there in person, you can go to hoopsheaven.com.au, of of course, and also use our, our code word, thanks to listening to this show, which is Hustle. So a lot of reasons to support Hoops Heaven, and we couldn't be more grateful for their support of us here at Basketball Hustle.
1: Yeah, it is fantastic support for us. We really enjoyed doing the podcast this year. And, you know, I'll just say another word about Hoop7. You know, they're really entrenched in the basketball community here in WA especially. But, you know, they they have shoes that you can't get anywhere else, (laughs) you you know. And and if you're a tall guy like myself and you're looking for a size 15 sneakers, they have them. And, uh, you know, the few times where I've ordered them online and, and haven't been able to get into the store, They've uh, arrived at my doorstep the very next day. So there's uh lot to like about what they're able to provide and, uh, Hopefully, our listeners can go out and support them as they support us.
0: Yeah, I've had similar similar experiences. There's been some stuff that I've ordered online too that's arrived, arrived pretty much straight away. It's been incredible service. The, the range of, of products online and in store is incredible. So please make sure you support Hoops Heaven. Now, it's been a big show, Sean. It's been a pleasure to do a full episode again. Obviously, last time we caught up, we had a, a really good chat with Team Conrad, and that was enough for a full episode. But it's been good to to chat about basketball with you again. Um, we'll do it again shortly. And we've got some, some good guests that I want to catch up with in this offseason still. Kevin Lish is one that, that's, that's an obvious one. Connor Henry, I'd love to try to, to chat to with you as well. And Brian Gorgian, I'd love to try to get on the line as well to, to allow you to reminisce on your, your past with him. So those are some names to spring to mind that during this offseason I'd like to explore with you. But for, for, for now, I'll sign off. I'm Chris Pike. What can the scoring machine leave us with for, for the, this show?
1: Well, you threw out some some big names right there, Pikey, and uh, you know I think it, it's been fun. We've had some time to kind of catch up with a, a lot of different uh, players and personalities throughout the NBL. Hopefully, we can add some some more names there. And you the listeners, just keep listening. We'll bring some some great interviews and uh, give you some good good content. And appreciate you listening to us.